0: Thank you to all members of my Patreon community for supporting this podcast. If you like what you hear and are not a member yet, please consider signing up today at patreon.com slash Desiato. We offer a variety of monthly reward tiers, and discounted annual memberships are available too. Beginning at the $1 level, you can listen to Digging for Justice, my exclusive DC movie rewatch podcast. Click the link in the show notes for more. If you're looking for other ways to support the show, leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcast goes a long way and only takes a second. You're also welcome to join the conversation on social media via the links in the show notes. Last but not least, we are an affiliate of BCW Supplies, so the next time you need to restock on comic book bags, boards, boxes, and more, be sure to use promo code FSP to save 10% on your order. That's FSP for Flat Squirrel Productions. It helps support the show too. Thank you. Acme Comics is a locally owned and operated full-service comic book store in Greensboro, North Carolina, for people of all ages and walks of life. Now in its 40th year, this multiple-time Eisner Award nominee features a significant contemporary and vintage back-issue selection, as the Acme team uses their collective knowledge and resources to connect you with the best material. Mail-order subscriptions to new releases are available... And all offerings are available anywhere via mail order. Follow Acme on social media and eBay, listen to the AcmeCast on all podcast services, and visit acmecomics.com for much more. Three decades ago, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers captured my imagination. Like many of my fellow 90s kids, I watched after school, joined the official fan club, and of course, collected the toys. Eventually, I put those toys away, but the flame of my Power Rangers fandom never died. Now, in this milestone 30th anniversary year, I am re-examining the show, its legacy, and the tale of its most legendary ranger across media. It's time to get back to action. Welcome to Summoning the Zords, a Power Rangers fan journey. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato, joining me to discuss a ranger catastrophe changing of the Zords, and a different shade of pink is my buddy Zach Walliner. Welcome to the show there, Zach Attack.
1: (laughs) Hey, thank you for having me, Anthony. I'm real excited.
0: Oh, my pleasure. You know, we've known each other for many years, and I know that our shared love of the Power Rangers franchise is something that has been part of our friendship. We've talked about it a lot. And the Pink Ranger, Amy Jo Johnson in particular, Kimberly Hart, I know she's been a favorite of yours, so when I got to this point... In my rewatch of the original Mighty Morphin seasons, uh, you, you felt like the guy. You felt like the guy for this. Uh, what? Yeah, what I is,
1: appreciate it.
0: When we talk about our Power Rangers fan journeys, where you know where did this start for you? Were you watching from the beginning of Mighty Morphin?
1: Yeah, yeah, we started at the beginning. I mean, at that time, you know, I'm I'm a few years older than you. I'm I was you know 11. I was born in ni- 1982, but I have you know my bro- younger brother Harry. There's a seven year age difference there. So I always feel along with my older brother, Jason, who's two years older than me, nine years older than Harry, we kind of kept him ahead of the game with stuff. He was like a little wise beyond his years. But then for me, at least in our bond, in our relationship, he kind of kept me young. You know, he kind of we, we we shared interests and, you know, uh, watched shows together and stuff. So I think, you know, even though at 11, you're probably more like at the tail end of, like, the demographic, you know, fan age for Power Rangers, because, you know, you're, you're pretty close to being a teenager, and I don't think, you know, typical teenager. Not that I was typical, I <laughs> you know, always a weirdo. But, uh, but you know, so it was something to, to bond with, you know, like we watched Pokemon together before he, he, we would go to school and stuff like that, all sorts of shows and, and common interests uh, we shared, me and Harry. Uh, so I think that's part of what kept me into it. And, you know, I enjoyed it just on you its own. Like I said, you know, I was, you know, yeah, even at a leth and, you know, I was I was not caring about whether I liked cartoons or shows like Power Rangers. You know, people people judged me all the time back then. I was always picked on um, you know, being a nerd. You know, back then that's what it is. Now nerds are the king of the hell, you know, Marvel movies and now Super Mario is like getting, you know, huge, you know, things that we liked from the get go are huge now. And so now it's like we kind of won a little bit, uh, for better or worse. But you know, uh, so yeah, yeah, we started at the beginning, and I remember enjoying the show back then. Um, so I watched all the first season. I don't know about all the second, because was the was the change of cast within the second, or Mm -hmm. was it at the end of the second? It was. I would say about
0: midway through season two.
1: Okay, because yeah, that's typically a big thing for me. I kind of get attached a little, like. I kind of dropped off. I mean, I remember watching some episodes with Rocky, Adam, and Aisha. Like one sticks in my mind is like Rocky gets like addicted to a pachinko or something like that. Is that when okay. I'm playing? Them. There's like a it's like a game. It's like in in the juice bar. and He gets and then I guess it's turned into a monster or something. That's one that sticks out in my mind. So I I did stick around a little bit and saw some other stuff, but then it kind of fizzled out. Um, I know I saw Turbo. I can't remember if I saw Turbo in theaters. I feel like I must have. because I remember, you know, hearing the song at the time and singing along with it. Um, I don't know. I don't think I saw the first one in theaters. I don't know when I first saw it. It might've been a bootleg. My mom, my mom bought a bootleg at one point that I remember watching. Well, join the club. You
0: know, yeah, I I heard
1: you, I heard you, I heard you, you you mentioned that on a previous episode. I'm like, wow, (laughs) what are the, what are the odds? We have people walking in front of the camera and laughter and stuff. Uh, So that's a funny coincidence. But, um, yeah, so I, I did, I did watch turbo in the theaters and it was like, and and then, you know, that was one time Amy Jo Johnson came back. So that was kind of cool. Her and Austin St. John.
0: Um, but as far as these episodes in particular, Kimberly's departure from the show, so you had yeah, kind of fall these, off, but you came back, were you back for these when, when they? No, heard?
1: no, these are all brand new to me. So I, I didn't really watch any of like the rest of Mighty Morphin. I didn't watch Zio, you know, or the Alien Rangers or any of that stuff. Turbo movie, maybe, I think I watched some of Turbo in like the follow-up from the movie. Um, but again, that didn't last long. All, everything after that, I'm pretty sure I checked out again, um, But yeah, you know, Mighty Morphin just, it still has a a place, you know, in my, you know, I have fond memories of it as like a property from, you know, not, you know, necessarily my youth as a little kid, but, you know, my youth in that age range, you know, I always think about all the different interests I've had over the years and some, you know, they wax and wane. So like, I might forget about Power Rangers you know, not think about it at all. And then like star Wars movies come out and then I'm back in a, you know star Wars where that was kind of, you know, downplayed for a while, but then, Oh no, it was a new movie. So actually now doing this podcast, it's like re-energize my interest. And I kind of want to go back and watch more. I did uh, introduce it to my daughter, Penny uh, probably a few years back now. I try to get her to watch shows with me because I have like a DVD cabinet full of, you know, movies and especially, you know, season box sets, And some of them are still in the wrapping from years and years past because I just didn't have a reason, you know, to justify sitting and watching. I'm not going to just open up and sit and stare at it by myself. I needed someone to watch it, too. So I probably did some of that with my wife, Veronica, after we were married and living together. But, you know, a lot of the stuff she's not especially interested in. So when I had a kid, I thought that was a a good opportunity. And we did watch some. But, you know, she kind of lost interest. You know, I tried to show her the X-Men cartoon from the 90s, too, which is like that same era as Mighty Morphin, uh, you know, Fox Kids and all that. And, you know, other things here and there, but, you know, she never got so far into them uh, yet, but we, you know, I'm always trying to get her to come back to it. Um,
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Well, why do you think I do this podcast? It's like, you know, my son's not quite old enough yet. And, not that there's anything wrong with spending free time rewatching Power Rangers, but just the way I'm wired at this point, it's like if I'm not making a project out of it, it's hard. It's hard to kind of to carve out that time and and kind of make myself do it. But this has provided the perfect vehicle, like a shark cycle, which we'll get to, uh, to,
1: (laughs) yeah, those were new to me. I'm pretty sure, (laughs) you know, to,
0: to do this. So it's been a blast. It's funny. You, you watched less of the, of the show and the franchise than I had thought. I mean, but I'm still glad to have you here, especially knowing your, your fandom of Amy Jo Johnson in particular. And I know you've continued to follow her career. She's gone on to be director. She's directed Superman and Lois, which is a a favorite show of mine. Yeah, I was
1: going to bring, bring up. Yeah. Today is, uh, well, right now this is a big day. I mean, we're recording this on the 85th, um, anniversary of superman so that's big obviously in your world with how much superman means to you and then we're doing the uh, amy joe johnson centric power Ranger podcast and the worlds collide when she directed an episode of the you know current superman show
0: absolutely kind of on that note speaking of when when we're doing this so we are recording this literally the day before the once and always special drops on netflix but i'm gonna have an episode on once and always out before this one so it'll be interesting because As of now, right, it 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 seems pretty clear that Amy Jo Johnson is not involved in any capacity with Once and Always, but at the same time, you never know. So this thing might drop, and there might be some sort of little surprise, something (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Obviously, people will have already heard us talk about it if it happened. But uh, what you're hearing now is recorded right before Once and Always, and yeah, I think again the other big reason I'm doing this podcast now, you know, 30 years of the franchise, this reunion special. Uh, it, you know, it just, and, and of course, sadly, the the passing of Jason David Frank as well, but it's just, you know, a lot of things kind of coming together, making you think back on the franchise and wanting to go back and watch. And, and it's been an absolute delight. What's especially fascinating about these episodes that we watched is you talk about like a tale of two transitions. So we did a whole episode on the introduction of Rocky, Adam and Aisha and the power transfer. We talked all about how difficult that was, like almost an almost impossible behind the scenes situation where half your cast walks off right in the salary dispute and you now have to arc out their characters w- without having the actors there. And we talked about how they do it, how they did it with the recycled footage and the morphed morphed scenes and, and all of that. And now <laughs> what a change of pace, because here we have this nine episode swing. If you include follow that cab, which was this one off that was kind of sandwiched in between a couple of the multi-part arcs that we Yeah, looked I watched
1: in. that one too. Just oh, me too. <laughs>
0: Okay, good. So we can touch on that too. I'm oh,
1: sorry, I didn't want to interrupt, but I was going to say, I just felt like, oh, let me see what the, this one is. It's sort of like a palate cleanser, kind of.
0: Yes. Yeah, just like a little one-off in the midst of all these, all these multi-parters. So when you take it all together, it's this nine-episode swing that introduces Cat Hillard, played by Catherine Sutherland, who will go on to become the new Pink Ranger, uh, and arcs out Amy Jo Johnson's Kimberly Hart. And so unlike... When Jason, Zach, and Trini left here, you really had, you saw the seeds being planted, right, of the pan-global games and this world-renowned gymnastics coach who's going to train Kimberly. And it it really just builds. And it was such a departure from what we had seen before. And what I realized is that, especially in this era of the show where we did have numerous changes over the three seasons of Mighty Morphin, Zio, and then even Turbo when, you know, Tommy and Adam and Kat and Tanya, they eventually leave, um... You know, this is, I I think it's fair to say, the only instance where you have truly a meaningful build to a farewell. I mean, we talked about Jason, Zach, and Trini. Um, Aisha leaves pretty abruptly right before Zio starts. Uh, David Yost, unfortunately, we know the horrible behind-the-scenes situation that he was dealing with. So the way Billy is dealt with is very unsatisfactory. And then, again, I haven't watched those those passing the torch episodes of turbo though i've watched clips online but from what i understand it was a two-part episode but even that from what i've gathered from reading comments and things like that i think that felt kind of abrupt to fans at the time so this was a true farewell arc
1: yeah yeah it was definitely nice to see it play that out especially you know like you know obviously she's my you know favorite ranger of the show so to see her get that proper you know, full storyline and arc and, and proper goodbye. Like I, I told you before we recorded, I watched the last episode last night and at the end of it, I was getting genuinely emotional and I did not expect that as someone who's close to being 41 years old, maybe will be by the time this thing airs and um and who has been mostly detached from the franchise uh for a large part for a long time to reconnect with it and watch the whole thing play out and then see the, the final scene and how they did it. I mean, people joke about the show. People put down the show. They talk about it, you know, the American stuff, it's cheesy and goofy stuff. And that, you know, you could tell when the Japanese footage is used and all that, but there's, there's some good writing in there. There's some real heart and not to to play on words, Kimberly Hart, but, uh, but I thought it was handled really well. And obviously we'll get there when we get there. But yeah, no, I, yeah, it was definitely sat- satisfying that at least she got to have a proper send-off.
0: Uh, listen, I agree. And I I know I say this every episode, but more and more, I have just come to appreciate what these writers were able to accomplish. I mean, hey, look, they were writing this for a young audience, us as kids, and it worked, right? It, it forged the deep connection that we watch it now and we're pulled right back in. But also, like I always say, the fact that they were working around this other footage. I mean, you know, it's one thing yeah and i'm not I'm not saying it's it's you know it's it's easy to come up with a wholly original story. that's its own challenge, but to have to fit a story around you know fifteen minutes of footage that you already have I mean that's hard, so I give them a lot of credit for that and in these episodes in particular, and again, we'll get more specific, but they they put the Rangers in a couple of what I thought were interesting ethical dilemmas, gave us a couple of things we hadn't seen, I and mean, we have a hand to hand fight between Zed and Tommy. I mean there's some really cool stuff in there. And especially with Cat with in particular, you see this really interesting parallel, I think, to the way Tommy was introduced on the show. But in this arc, you know, and audience might remember when we talked about Green with Evil, it's an iconic arc. I love it. It was fun to revisit. But there were a few things where I was like, oh, man, I wish they had done this. I wish they had done that. And they did it here in this Cat arc. There was some really good stuff in these episodes, like legitimately good, <laughs> You know? Yeah, I,
1: I definitely, I definitely agree. It was, it was fun to watch and it was fun to take notes as I did it because I kept like coming up with things and thoughts and be like, Hmm, okay, what's that about? And, you know, almost, you know, sometimes making little jokes about stuff that, that happens stuff. And uh, so yeah.
0: one last, qu- one last big picture question, I guess. Uh, before we talk more specifically about these nine episodes. And we did also take a look at that Boom Studios Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Pink miniseries, which is really interesting because you get to follow Kim after she leaves the show. And, and that we, we can talk about that too. But so why why was and is uh, the Pink Ranger Kimberly Hart your favorite?
1: Well, I mean, you know, I hate to sound like, you know, it's shallower surface level, but I mean, Amy Joe Johnson was always uh, easy on the eyes, I'll say. You know, I just, I don't know if I'd call it, like, a crush. Like, again, like, I was, you know, not a little kid. But, you know, you know, I, th- I, th- you know I liked her. I, I mean, I liked her acting, too. I'm not saying she's just, you know, someone who's good-looking. And, obviously, you know, where she's gone in her career since then, she's obviously very talented in several different ways. I mean, I think it's pretty safe to say she probably had the best post-Ranger career. I mean, I don't know if you think anyone else
0: might be. No, I would. Well, unless if we're talking Johnny Young Bosch and his voice acting career, that might be in its own category. But but generally speaking, no, I I would agree with with that for sure. And and here's the thing. And I I appreciate you, you know, being respectful and qualifying your answer and all that. I would imagine I'll say (laughs) on behalf of myself, I would imagine a lot of young boys and many young girls as well like growing up watching that show at a formative age she was probably a first crush whether it rose to that level or not but in that category for a, for a lot of people i think that's probably oh no, yeah i mean
1: I, I see that on like you know posts online and stuff and they'll be like oh everyone of the 90s like first crush and it's a picture of her and you know uh, yeah clearly i'm sure you know she was she was that girl for that <laughs> she was that girl and, you know, I was, I was, you know, 11 prepubescent, you know, so you, you have those feelings and, you know, you know, but, you know, she it's not like she was a bad actress, but just, you know, pretty, she was, you know, pretty, but, you know, also, you know, gave good performances on it. And then, you know, through, through the Power Rangers and, you know, again, I like the whole original cast. I'm very much someone who, when you get into it at the start and you get to know those characters, you know, I liked all of them um you know to different degrees but obviously then there was this extra level with her but um yeah so like i was saying with with the change i kind of you know fizzled out a little It's, it's also like another comparison with that would be like pokemon they at one point completely got rid of the original voice cast and just replaced them and it was just like a quick thing like that some contract thing and and I—that's kind of you know why I stopped watching that too. It's just like I—I I link those voices with those characters, just as I link these actors uh, with like their like the true Power Rangers for me. They're my Power Rangers, and I'm sure everyone watching over the past thirty years had their team. You know, depending on on when you got into it. Um, but yeah, so you know, it just obviously that extra. <laughs> Extra thing she had going for her kind of made her stick out more in my mind. <laughs> this, this is what. When I was sixteen, I wrote a song about her.
0: <laughs> yeah, I
1: still have the I still have the original handwritten uh, lyric sheet somewhere, and it was this whole like rock anthem to her and you know her career at that point. And in I think two thousand three, I was in college. I don't know how he found out, but my older brother Jason found out about her having a gig in New York city performing, you know, cause she's also a single singer songwriter. Um, so I had to go and I made it happen. It was at this place called the bitter end and I go there and I got a, a seat right up at uh, the front of the stage and she walked out and like my jaw literally dropped, <laughs> I was just like in awe and she, she saw me and she's like, hi, I was like, "Hi," <laughs> you know, and you know she played, and it was it was great. And I got to meet her afterwards. I have a picture with her, um, and I got her her first CD, and you know she signed it. And I think it says like "Thanks for the smiles" or something. So it was a really good experience, <laughs> actually. Well, the, the the part with her was a good experience. There was there was something not so great about it. I I went to see her, and I'm not a drinker, and I don't know about drink minimums at this point. So I'm a college student. I'm, you know, money isn't exactly uh you know, something I have to spare. And so I didn't know about, you know, this and stuff. And, um, sorry.
0: It's okay. We lost an earbud, but it's back all good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I didn't know, but, and then I didn't have enough to like cover like what, what I needed to pay. And like, it was a dilemma and stuff. And then, I you know I like ended up talking to like the owner or something he's like you know I want you to you never come back here <laughs> you know pretty serious and scary and I kind of was trying to negotiate I'm like how about I come back I don't know if it was the very next night or whatever she you know she had more than one you know date to perform I'll come back I'll pay you what I owe on top of you know whatever so I think he agreed to that cuz then I did go back I went the second time I went with my uh, my girlfriend at the time and so we watched her they didn't they didn't serve us at all. The waitress was like, well, didn't weren't you told not to come back?
0: And Jeez. I tried to
1: explain. I tried to explain meekly, well, no, there was a thing. And like, it's like, well, you know, my girlfriend wasn't part of it at the time, but you know, they snubbed both of us. Um but either way it was nice, saw her twice, and then afterwards I saw her again. And she and like some friends had actually like tooled around with the song that I wrote. So she was she was telling me they had, you know, been Sort of messing around uh, musically with with my song lyrics, so that was kind of a, a fun honor.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask if you uh, gave her the song. So you did. that's awesome, man.
1: Yeah, so I gave her a copy of. I still have the original, and then uh, actually, um, twenty nineteen New York Comic Con, I saw her again. She was you know at a table, and I took a uh, penny with me, and you know I started seeing a little bit of it, and um, you know. She, she didn't remember, but, uh, but also I, I sang it thinking she'd remember because there was some like contest she had connected to one of her movies where, you know, they would right, do right, a screening right. in, in your town. And so I, I, in my video, I, you know, pretended to play the guitar and sang a little bit. So I thought maybe she'd remember the video, not that she'd remember 2003, uh, 16 years later, but even that didn't ring a bell. And I just, you know, it was fine, but uh, you know, it was nice, nice seeing her again. And, uh, yeah, and um, so those are my two encounters with her. Well, three, I guess, total. But yeah, you know, it's, you know, it's cool to have uh, have met her in person a few times, and uh, yeah, very sweet, very friendly, and very short. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's very cool. Yeah, I've never, I've never had the opportunity to meet her, as I've talked about. I mean, I met Cardenas, Johnny Bosch, Catherine Sutherland, B- bumped into David Yost. He was at that convention. In retrospect, it's like I should have made more of an opportunity, more of a, an effort, Uh-oh. or any I
1: effort. I didn't know. I didn't know that you didn't fully uh, get to meet
0: him. No, no, uh, which I regret, but hopefully we'll have another opportunity. But uh, yeah, it's always you know it's it's so far it's been great. You know, you you never know, right? When you meet these people whose work you've admired, but uh, really had a lot of fun with those folks. So these episodes that we're looking at, you know, please don't feel like we have to go episode by episode or even arc by arc. We can kind of use that as our general roadmap, but we can kind of look at the arc of these because it really is. And that was one of the other things that I was I was surprised by. Well, let me say two things I was surprised by. One was uh, how serialized it was. I mean, yes, we have the multi-part stories, but there's a lot. I mean, again, this cat being under the spell of Rita is, you know, runs through most of these episodes that we're talking about. So even when a ranger catastrophe ends, right, cat is still under that spell and infiltrating the rangers and they're none the wiser. So I was I was pleasantly surprised by how serialized it was in that respect. And the other thing, we were talking about this off mic, even though I was still all in on Power Rangers and I was watching these episodes as a kid, I mean, I have next to no memory of these. I I remember (laughs) like, I remember Kimberly's that final routine on the balance beam and, and her farewell. I mean, that at least rang some bells, but in, in the follow that cab episode where Kim bulk and scholar in a cab that's transformed into a monster, you know, Zordon and alpha bestow the team with these new shark cycles. And, they pop up again in either the next episode or, or very shortly thereafter. And according to IMDb trivia, I think that, that's it. I think they only pop up a couple of times, but they made <laughs> toys and everything. I had no memory of these, like none. I, and I, I can't, I couldn't tell you why. I mean, I know it was only a couple of episodes, but they did toys and it's like, I probably had them because I was getting all this stuff at the time. I mean, I did you have any recollection of those?
1: Well, again, I wasn't, you know, I oh, that's wasn't watching but even just from point. the
0: toys or anything like that or commercials. Or no, anything.
1: I mean, I don't remember, you know. Uh, again, it was it was uh, after, you know, I was kind of lost my connection to it for a bit.
0: Yeah, now I hear you. But so, I mean, those were just a couple of uh, big picture things. But you know, so we first meet Cat as literally a cat, <laughs> you know, Aisha's working at the, at this animal, uh, shelter with this vet and, you know, it gives her a little, you know, her, her little side story. And, uh, and yeah, and she and Kim find this, this white cat and, uh, you know, it, it takes a little while. Right. But eventually we see the cat morph into, into Catherine. Uh, I mean, I don't know, initial impressions of, 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 cat, of her introduction. Like what, what, what are you thinking as you're watching this, especially for the first time?
1: Well, yeah, uh, I did watch these out of order thinking that changing of the zords was first. And so then I kind of saw her already established. So like the first time I'm seeing her, she's like at the juice bar pretending to be friendly. Or maybe there's a part of her where when she's not doing the evil stuff, she's a regular girl. But then like things click in her brain and then she's got to do her evil stuff. But she's just like talking and hanging out with like Tommy and Kim. And then she becomes she really jealous. Like there's, there's a whole jealousy thing in there. Too and um, so yeah, I saw her where she's already established, already under the spell. That's how I first saw her, and then I came back around when I realized I'd skipped Ranger Catastrophe. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting uh, plot device they chose. It's a little on the nose, you know. She's the actress is C- cat, you know <laughs> the character's Catherine, and she becomes a cat <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes yes they were, they were they were they were not going for subtlety there but you know, and it yeah and yes
1: at the end then i'm like wondering like now was it just a cat form created for her or did she inhabit an existing cat and if so what happened to the cat at the end after the spell was broken it wasn't 100 clear for me because they were having it like a pet you know also i find it funny like when it first appears it's like a straight cat and just aisha just scoops it up (laughs) no no questions asked oh hey it's a cat let me take that cat (laughs) (laughs) not not the not the best idea
0: so yeah i mean let's let's talk about the plot here and what you know the villains plot and how cat figures into all this because i had some questions as well uh you know for the first couple of episodes again not remembering really where this goes other than cats eventually good and becomes the new pink ranger obviously i knew that but that for a second, I was doubting myself, and I was like, "Like, was she just a cat?" And then they like <laughs> Rita made her into a person, and then she, st- and then afterwards she stays a person. Uh, and then you know you realize, of course, that she was an existing person who Rita put this spell on, and we even you know see a flashback of how that happened. But
1: yeah, yeah, I was gonna mention that. Speaking of also unclear transformations. When you get the flashback and she's remembering her encounter. So she's talking to this guy who's leaning up against the tree and Rita's hiding in the background. And then like, also it's split the, the flashback, like into multi parts for some reason. It like shows us the start of it. And then she's back. And then she goes back to the flashback and a little more is done. And then she's back. And then it's like a third part of the flashback rather than just showing it all at once. But Rita, when she, you know, is, is going to you know, make her move. She does something to the guy and he becomes a tenga warrior and that left me wondering, was he a Tenga warrior in disguise to lure her in? Or was he some random guy she was talking to and Rita transformed him into a Tenga warrior, this poor innocent bystander?
0: Dude, I had the same thought. I feel like there's there's, a, <laughs> there's an untold story there, right? This, <laughs> this poor guy has been trapped in Tenga form. No, I don't know. I think it could go either way. I think it could go either yeah. way. But, you know, what I'm wondering <laughs> is over these episodes, we see Cat... We see cat as a an actual feline right and we see her morph now, as would you ever into Animorphs by any chance? The book series and it was a television show as well.
1: I, I mean, I think I'd seen some of the the show and I'm familiar with like the book covers that shows like the multi-part yes. stages and the
0: transformation. Not that this transformation was that involved, but that's what it called to mind. And I was big on that book series as a kid. I loved oh, it. Cool. Right, and so right around this time. So just as a side note, as I realized looking back, you know, huge comic book fan and like the even the book series that I read, uh, non-comics, Goosebumps and Animorphs. Like I really liked my multi-part series anyway so we see her as a cat we see her as catherine she they transform her into one of the monsters one of the cat monsters at one point in these episodes too and i'm i'm saying to myself you know cat while she's under the spell gives this backstory about having recently moved to angel grove with her family because her dad got transferred for work and you know we're not really told anything at least in these episodes to contradict that that seems to be a legit backstory so what I'm wondering is, is she going home at any point? And if so, when? Because she's living part of her time as the pet of Kimberly and Aisha. <laughs> she's spying on the Rangers and reporting back to Rita. But So it's like, what are her parents thinking <laughs> during this whole time?
1: That didn't even come to my mind. But yeah, there's there's so many questions that arise watching. And I guess to a degree, you got to just suspend disbelief. But it is it was fun. You know, poking these things out when you you see them, uh, because yeah, it's it's strange some of these things.
0: <laughs> well, the biggest thing, and I'm skipping all the way to the end, but this was this. It, it took me a second, and then it clicked, and I said, "Wait a minute!" So in in a different shade of pink, the you know Rita and Zed have have captured Ninjor. We'll get into why. It's a very convoluted, but I, I, it was still cool. I appreciate it. But they've captured Ninjor, right? And they try to, and at this point, the spell has been broken over Cat, And so they are trying to get the Rangers to make this trade, right? Cat for, for Ninjor. And they have this meeting in the park and uh, Rita and Zed hand over the jar that Ninjor is allegedly in and Rocky opens. it. He's like, he's not in here. It's a double cross. Meanwhile, the Rangers of course had their own plan to put Cat in this force field to protect her. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Cat's eventually taken and Tommy has to go, uh, or, uh, no, Kat rescues herself, right? If I'm remembering correctly, she gives Rito the she massage. Tricks, and, yeah,
1: tricks Rito, yeah, that was, that was Tommy, interesting.
0: Tommy had gone to rescue Kim previously, in any event. So, you know, cat's rescued, she retrieves uh, Kimberly, Kimberly's uh, power coin, which uh, which the bad guys had taken, and then we have the whole uh, transfer of the coin, and Kim's farewell, and all that. But Ninja are still, still taken. <laughs> oh my god, they never addressed that, did they? <laughs>
1: Again, that didn't even come to my mind again i just i guess because he's he's a (laughs) character i was not familiar with before and when i watched it out of order like he shows up and i'm like who is this guy because they didn't refer to him by name immediately and i'm like there's just this sort of goofy seeming blue guy who's just in this like robot suit and it's like is he someone in there is he a robot what's his deal and, you know, he, he's just this sort of cartoonish voice. He sounds kind of like Dudley do I know that's probably like a dated reference. It's if anyone knows Rocky and Bullwinkle, he was a he was a cartoon from those same people way, way back. Uh, I think they made a Brendan Fraser live a- action adaptation. But even that's that's decades back now. But it's just like I was like, what's this guy's deal? You know?
0: Yeah, I mean, we talked about him in, in the Ninja Quest episode, but yeah, he's the one he had originally forged the power coins. Then he's the one, uh, after the rangers lose their powers and the zords are destroyed, where he gives them their new ninja powers and ninja zords. And he becomes this, I mean, advisor is probably too strong a word, but he's this ally they can call upon. So when they're in battle and the zords aren't enough, ninja, I, 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 call, I call on you from on high or something like that. And then he f- zooms in on his rock and... Uh, and and he can grow and he has a battle mode so he's like a sentient zord i mean essentially did i think the- it's yeah
1: when they got to it i was like wait so this guy can become a zord himself that was that was a that that's new for me so yeah but um so do you remember at all like if after this arc when he next shows up and <laughs> do they go like oh hey you're back oh you managed managed to get out of that bottle
0: I'm not sure. I, To give them credit, be, and again, this was serialized. I'm assuming there is a, an episode shortly after this where they do, where they do rescue him. But it was just funny in the context of of this arc, and especially that last three parter, "A Different Shade of Pink," where you know it's they have. I mean, it's such a huge dilemma for them in the episode, right? Whether or not to trade cat for ninja. Cat's like you have to it's do like it. This
1: impossible choice. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he's like, cat's like you have to do it, and you gotta get, and then. There's just not, not a mention of him, and then I know. I guess just like, just like us watching it, I think the characters got caught up in the emotion of Kim's gymnastics performance and routine and and her departure. But it was just kind of funny that so much of this revolved around the trade for Ninja and then he's still still just. And it was like a few yeah, minutes so, after the episode was done, and I was like, "Hey, wait a minute."
1: <laughs> hey, sorry, you weren't the top priority. These these girls and their exchange of pink power is uh, is. Well, we got to focus on and kim's uh you know going ahead with her you know competition
0: yeah but so with with cat again the first time we see her is when the cat morphs into Catherine, and you know very quickly we see her reporting to rita and the red eyes i think they really wanted oh to my make god sure oh my god <laughs> <laughs> that the kids was... knew
1: <laughs> it If you had a drinking game watching Power Rangers, you would be you
0: would be unconscious (laughs) at best.
1: Every every time she flashes her red eyes. It reminded me of like when they would do it in the X-Men films where it was like a sign that, oh, wait, that's actually Mystique. She would flash like her yellow eye. But this it's really frequent, at least in a few of the episodes. She's always it's like, just remember, like, this is a sign that she's evil and she's working for Rita. Then at one point the cat flashes the eyes, but they're green. I would think that would mean like good as opposed to the red evil eyes, but it's just a flash of the eyes. They just chose green for the color apparently, but oh my God, that was, it was, it was, it was pretty funny just how often they felt the need to do that.
0: Filmmakers and movie fans alike should be sure to attend these film festivals, Brightside Tavern in Jersey city. Hang On to your shorts in Asbury park point lookout on long Island and in the cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. On a personal note, my short film, By Spoon, The Jay Mizell Story, played at these fests, so I know firsthand what fun and well-run events they are. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Follow the festivals on social media for news about events, discounts, tickets, and more. Also, listen to the Hang On To Your Shorts and Cullen On Film podcasts, available via a shared universe network. All Yeah! Comics celebrates and promotes everything that is wonderful about comics, toys, artwork, and the joy they bring to people. Visit them in person at one of their three locations, Harrison, New York, which happens to be my local comic shop, Skokie, Illinois, or Muncie, Indiana. If you have children and have been looking for a family-friendly store, look no further. Join All Yeah! for exciting events, including creator signings, how-tos, and more. Visit awyeahcomics.com and follow Aw Yeah! on social media for more. Their name says exactly how they feel about it. Say it with me. Aw, yeah. Fat Moose Comics is New Jersey's best and oldest comic book store. Established in 1982 and under new ownership since 2020, Moose sells a wide selection of new and old comics from every publisher, action figures, graphic novels, posters, statues, and more. If you're looking for something and they don't have it, they can probably get it for you. They know a guy. Visit Fat Moose in Whippany, New Jersey, the next time you're in the Garden State, and be sure to reach out via the Fat Moose Comics Facebook page. Yeah, I mean it, it's interesting. So you know this this new character meets the Rangers as as the feline who who Kimberly and Aisha take in as their house pet, PC for Park Cat, and and then also meets them as Catherine, right? This girl from Australia has just who has just moved there and uh. And of course, it's all a plot of Rita's side note. I think it's at the beginning of A Ranger Catastrophe when we're on the moon base and Finster comes in and he's like, I have an idea, Master, or something like that. And Zed has, this was a line that legit made me laugh out loud. It wasn't like, oh, like that's kind of funny for a kid show. Like, no, it legit made me laugh. He's like, he's like don't tell me, a monster that blows itself up. <laughs> it was just
1: like... <laughs> i think i must have missed that probably taking notes or something. but <laughs> it just was just so
0: like he, it was so dismissive but it was, again how many times have these monsters been defeated <laughs> so he's like what is it, it just blow itself up and then in one of the later episodes he uh he zings a rita where he's like why don't you try thinking with your head instead of your mouth and again really <laughs> playing into this uh marital strife
1: but yeah they're yeah they're 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 really like this cliche of like a married couple that just bickers and stuff. It was amusing because, uh, you know, I don't know how much of that I saw on the original run. Obviously, you know, I was there for Zed. I don't know if I saw when they got married, you know, so I don't know if I, I really experienced that whole dynamic where they're fighting all the time. Uh, but it was pretty frequent just even during this arc. So maybe it was just a common theme because they're like beating each other. Oh, you're playing stupid. Oh, now what are you going to do about it? You know, <laughs> I even have a note right here where he points out the flaw of the plan of, you know, getting them to adopt the cat. Cause what if someone else adopted the cat and then like Rita, you know, sends Rito to make sure it's them that takes the, the cat.
0: Yes. Yeah. It's and
1: uh, he scares. He scares some poor unsuspecting couple at the shelter while he's at it.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, it's funny in the, um, in the follow that cab episode, when again, Kim's in the in the cab with Bulk and Skull. Zed literally says like "Bulk and Skull are there," and I'm sure it's not the only episode where Rita and or Zed actually say the names Bulk and Skull. But it's the first oh, instance really? that I've caught <laughs> because again, and I say this all the time. I mean, I'm watching again like these larger, the multi part episodes, the bigger episodes where more of the the monumental stuff happens. I'm largely skipping over a lot of those one offs. So maybe there's more of this, but it was so w- weird. Like, it took me a, for a second. I was like, like, yeah, like, what do like, what do Rita and Zed think of Bulk and Skull? Like, the <laughs> idea that these all-powerful evil masters, are, are like that Bulk and Skull are even on their radar, is, is yeah. fascinating to me.
1: <laughs> they're aware of these two <laughs> <dim-witted doofuses. laughs> Just because Also, another thing on the note of them, it's in the first episode. The, like, they're all hanging at the juice bar, and they pop up from under a table. <laughs> yeah like the, the like, what were they doing there how, how long were they there before they popped up and it becomes a thing like they do that a few times it's in one of the later episodes like ernie even calls them on it they, they're like from behind the juice bar. he's like you guys gotta stop doing that. <laughs> that that was like a fun self-referential joke too because it was just like what are they doing where where are they waiting to like pop up to make their presence known. It's just for the sake of the camera. It's
0: like, <laughs> it's I know ridiculous. it's, it's very funny, but it just, it really, it really tickles me. The idea that I don't know, like when Rita and Zed are just relaxing at the end of the day, like maybe they probably talk about bulk and skull. They're probably like, Oh, we got to <laughs> deal with Rito and squat and bamboo. They got bulk and skull. But you know, as far as the marital strife, I mean, a, that's one of the fun things about rewatching it now as an adult. Cause like you, I think as kids, you know, obviously you get that they're bickering, but I think there's a lot of the, maybe those one-liners and stuff that don't, that just kind of like go overhead. But there's, a I mentioned before, we have this amazing scene in the changing of the Zords uh, multi-parter where uh, Zed and, and Tommy, the White Ranger, fight. And at the climax of that fight, you know, Tommy throws Saba, uh, the, the dagger sword at Zed's uh, staff. And when it hits it, it turns it back into a snake. Now, we saw when Zed made his debut in the mutiny, right? And he materialized on the moon and he turned around and he had this snake crawling all over him and the snake turned into the staff. And then apparently that, that direct blow to the staff was enough to cause Zed to retreat and he goes back to the moon. He's talking to to Reed, he's like, my staff. I cannot believe they didn't sneak in Uh, a joke like having rita call him out over going going soft so to speak i feel like that was a a prime opportunity i was surprised that was a lot of restraint i would have i would have put money on some kind of some kind of barb along those lines
1: well it's funny that you mentioned that because i did take a note because this is also it's a funny connection in a way it's in one of the later episodes um she says like no well you better hang on to your scepter z-man (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, oh, z that's that's my nickname um, in in the uh, community around this radio show that I've been involved with with the host. Uh, you know, been friends with him, and you know, my family's friends with him for a long time. And my my little brother, when he was doing radio in college, he was the H man that was his on air name, and then he became for for a bit the protege. Of, of this this radio host, and he was known as the H-Man, and when I first called in to support him, I said I was the Z-Man, and it's kind of stuck. So for hearing Rita going Z-Man, it was funny, but also that she says, you know, you better hold on to your scepter. It almost sounds like they got into a fight, and, you know, she's like, you sleep on the couch, and uh, so, you know, you, why don't you hold on to your scepter, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you know?
0: Yeah. No, I know. Like, little little stuff like that is uh, <laughs> is, is particularly amusing, especially now. But... You know, they use Kat to, you know, spy on the Rangers later to steal Kimberly's power coin, but especially initially in that uh, Ranger catastrophe, she lures Tommy into her car for a ride. This is a very, very cautionary tale because then they're transported into, you know, one of Zed's dimensions and, uh, you know, they're, they're in distress until the Rangers can figure out a way to, you know, to, to, to teleport him out. But, uh yeah, a real cautionary tale. You got to watch out for the, for these blonde girls and fast cars. Tommy really learned his (laughs) lesson, I think.
1: And, and, you know, I was watching that and observing and I'm like, Kim takes this surprisingly well. (laughs) Like there's not a hint. Like you see Kat being jealous of their relationship, you know, where she's, you know, under control. So she's, she's out to get them for Rita, but she also seems like there's a part of her that genuinely is jealous and she wants Tommy. But then, so then she's, doing her thing to manipulate tommy's like oh come on let me just get a you know you want to get a ride in my car and this and that oh you know because he's like oh i would love a car like that and she's like, oh you come give me a ride with it and so then they discover the rangers discover and like looking in zordon's crystal ball i think and kim's like who's that girl and it's not like who's that girl with him it's not that at all she's like what's going on no it's just like she's confused And then pretty quickly caring about her (laughs) well-being and there's no at all, no conflict of like, Tommy, why were you alone with her in the car? What's that all about? Like, I heard on on another episode, you you guys were talking about like what the deal was with the dynamic, the relationship between Tommy and Kim. And, you know, watching these, you know, I think it's pretty clear their boyfriend and girlfriend, like, you know, obviously... They're only going to show so much romance in, you know, ostensibly a kid's show. But, you know, you know, their bond is is pretty clear. And, you know, he's he's caring for her and she's caring for him. And, you know, when he's at her bedside when she's in the hospital in one of the later episodes. And so, yeah, you know, but then then that there's this blonde girl in the car with him leaning on him. <laughs> she's like leaning in close with him. And Kim just just brushes it off. And then it's just like, oh, we got to help Tommy and this girl okay you're 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 a better woman than some i guess
0: so it's it's so funny you say that so a yeah i agree and i know we had talked about that in another episode and as i was watching these i was like oh okay that kind of answers that question that we were talking about about the nature of their relationship and i agree like yes it's very you know very very chaste and very g rate but like yeah you get the sense that they're they're together right um but but the other thing is, see, I read a little bit more into Kim's who's that girl line. Like, I, maybe I was projecting, but I felt like there was a little bit, like a little something behind it. Like, it was quickly, quickly, you know, superseded by her concern for the two of them. But there was like the who's that girl –
1: no, yeah, yeah. Just in that one line, I, I I could I agree with you that it sounds like there could be a tinge to that, but then it it it's gone like instantly. Like, yeah. So she's like, oh well, uh, you know, I gotta save her too, and you know, there's no further talk about it, no suspicion, and and by the end of the arc, she's basically like best buddies with Cat,
0: <laughs> and and so and that's the thing where. And again, I don't think this is even nitpicky. It's just as, especially as an adult watching it, like those are some of the things I, I long for watching it now. It's like, yeah, I, I want to see the the follow up scene where Kim's like, oh, Tommy, like, I'm so glad you're, everything's okay. But what were you doing? <laughs> what were you doing in, with her in the first place? I mean, I don't think it's a, I mean, I think it's a fair enough question to ask. It doesn't even need to be contentious, but. You know, it's just like, hey, what was, uh, you know, because they had plans to meet. I know Kim wasn't there yet, but, you know, and then and then, you know, Kat. And yeah, yeah, meetings. they were supposed
1: to have like a movie date. And then so that you, that compounds everything. They're supposed to have a movie date. And then he's in this car with this this blonde that, you know, she has no idea who it is. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I know. But what I was uh, going back to what I was uh, alluding to earlier about how I really like. I like how this echoes so much of green with evil. Because, you know, obviously that was such a strong, iconic storyline for the show. And we do know later on, Tommy and Kat have their <coughs> romance. So the idea that they both kind of come in the same way, uh, I, I kind of like that parallel. But one of the things that I said when we were talking about Green with Evil is, man, I wish that they showed us like any instances of Tommy resisting, right? And here... Mm-hmm. You do get that, especially as we get deeper into these episodes, and it's actually the first time. And I'm, that's why I'm glad we I'm glad we both watched follow that cat because that's the first instance where Cat starts to uh, have memories, right? Because Rita's like you evil girl, and then that triggers Cat, and she remembers being well, yeah, you know in elementary girl. school, and it's like oh good girl, like she was involved with a charity project or something like that. And uh, so I I really like that they added that layer to this. You know
1: yeah I guess maybe they learned from the original and they're like well let's maybe do it a little different this time but did you, did you say that Tommy and Kat get involved later on
0: I'm sorry spoiler alert but yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: so is, it, is that is that after the note yes okay yeah. yeah I've heard of the note I haven't I haven't seen the episode with the note.
0: Yeah, Kim writes. Uh, Kim writes Tommy a dear John letter uh, during Zio. I think it's the where we're, we're going to be getting to it not too long from now. I think it's the "There's No Business Like Snow Business" three parter. I believe uh, where he where he gets the letter from her. But, and then the other mm-hmm. thing, going back to the comparisons to Green with Evil, and again, I I don't know that Power Rangers was ever better than than Green with Evil. Although there's a lot that I've loved since then. But but at the same time, you know, you do kind of wonder the strategy of all of this, like. With Tommy in Green with Evil, when he's under Rita's spell, you know, he instantly becomes this, you know, cold, aloof jerk, essentially, right, to the Rangers. And, you know, they had only had such limited interactions with him before, but it seemed like this guy made a complete 180 and he's, you know, blowing everybody off and he's just working out, you know, intensely in the juice bar and he's not engaging with them, right? Whereas here, it, you know, Cat is more like a spy, and she's infiltrating them, and she's, you know, uh, you know, uh, under, you know, trying to undermine them and things like that. And it just made it made a lot more sense, right? Like if you're going to put someone under a spell, you know, send them into this friend group, let the Rangers think they're and they're a friend, they're an ally. Like I really, that made a lot of sense.
1: Rather than him just being an outright jerk in his day-to-day form <laughs> yeah
0: right i mean I, and again i guess it's cool to have to see the two different spins on it right so i i'm glad that they did both but this was a nice this was a nice way to kind of still have the parallel but then to really carve out a, a, a different path for cat i thought it was really well done
1: yeah, and on the, on the note of green with evil this is in a uh, catastrophe part two so yeah it was kind of crazy seeing him go head-to-head with zed you know, because I don't know how I don't know how much at all Zed really was like a direct, you know, fighting with any rangers because usually they always used, you know, their generic, you know, henchmen or monsters. So whether it's the putties or the tengas or like one of the monsters that's created. So it was that was kind of cool to see, you know, not not having having seen that. Uh, but then also within this whole arc, he also fights Goldar one on one. Too, which I'm guessing he might have done during Green with Evil. I don't know. Or was that Jason?
0: That was Jason, but Tommy went head to head with him in, in those later um in the, the, all those episodes where he's losing his powers and coming back. Like there was there were there were a couple of Goldar face-offs there, including one where he was like completely powerless out in the field. It was great.
1: Oh cool. Yeah maybe I'll I'll get to those. But uh yeah obviously you feel Zed and Goldar, you feel like they're legitimate threats. I mean so much like you know, the henchmen are just so disposable, especially the Z putties. <laughs> when I'm watching the show, and I'm seeing okay, I, they're I guess they're now with these Tenga guys. I wonder what ha- uh, what happened uh, to the putties. Oh, maybe they realized that they shouldn't have had such an obvious weak spot right on their chest that causes them to literally explode. <laughs> I guess they finally realized. But um, but yeah, so like seeing these guys uh, fight, you know, that was that was pretty cool because you know they're serious threats and they're intense. But he one point. In part two of Catastrophe, Tommy's fighting Goldar, and he's like, you should work with us. And Tommy's like, me? Join forces with evil? Never! And I'm like, "Um, that's how your whole character arc started, buddy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, that's an opportunity where maybe it could have been like, never, never again, or I yeah. would never choose that. You know, there, there could have been a nice way to kind of tie that back to yeah, the you, journey. You side.
1: had me once, but I'll make sure that never happens again. Something like that. Because then he even acknowledges it, I think, when, when it's like wrapping up the arc and he's comforting Kat and being like, yeah, they had me under a spell, too, once upon a time.
0: So. And I, well, I know. I'm glad. I mean, that was a nice callback and a, and a, and a way for them to bond. And I, I'm glad that it was there. But it's like Cat well, might have some you, you would imagine Cat might have some follow up questions. It's just like, oh, OK. <laughs> but no, the yeah, fight I mean, was Yeah,
1: I do always like when a show has respect for its own continuity. And so that's sometimes, you know, stuff that came up in these episodes that it's like, you know, it's nice to see they kept track of things and they brought things up where it made sense to.
0: Totally, totally. So yeah, that fight with Zed, I think I was, I might've been conflating it with one of the later multi-part things, but yeah, so that was, so it's Ranger catastrophe, right? When they're in the car and they're in the other dimension and then they, the, the the car disappears and then it's, it's Tommy and he faces off against, uh, against Zed, right? It's in that episode.
1: It might be, I, you know, I might. Not remember which time is him and Zed and him and Gold are, but uh, uh, in any event, but sounds we, about right.
0: But we get this, uh, yeah. This face off is really cool. And again, we talked about the, the staff and all that stuff, but it was, uh, yeah. I mean, it was just really cool to to see them fighting like that. Wait, in my head, I'm thinking that it was the uh, when when Tommy's going to rescue Kimberly, but it wasn't it then. I might I might be mixing these up when he has the the, the face off. Well, yeah I,
1: don't, I don't know. yeah, I know. I mean, it was, it's a lot of episodes together that you, you can <laughs> kind of confuse one thing with the other.
0: Yeah. So I, again, in my head, I think I remembered it as being in the Changing of the Zoras, but I could have flipped them in any event. Yeah, I, I'm almost positive this was the first instance of a, like a one-on-one fight between Zed and a ranger. I mean, not that they've never been together before, but an actual fight and... You know, I don't, I don't know how many more times that happens. It was, that was really cool. And of course, fitting that it was Tommy. So that was, oh, and then in the changing of the Zord's arc, and we'll get into the the, kind of the setup and what was (laughs) going on there. But, you know, they, you know, Zed teleports into the command center. You know, this is at the point where, uh, you know, Kimberly, uh, her her power coins been stolen, her, her energy, her life force are draining away. Uh, And then she's taken, Right. And, you know, her, her time is running out and, and the Rangers are really up against the ropes here. And they allow Zed to teleport in to give his terms, right, that they have to the Rangers have to pilot these new ancient zords uh, that he's awakened uh, in, in order to save Kimberly's life. But it's like Zed in the command center like that. I thought that was really cool.
1: Right now, you mentioned it reminds me I was like, OK, so not only does Zed appear, but he like teleported his throne <laughs> and billowing smoke. It's a package deal.
0: <laughs> yeah the, you know what the smoke i didn't mind so much but the throne <laughs> i was like really <laughs>
1: well, it's, just, it's just he like took this whole atmospheric vibe with him in the teleportation it's like you could have just shown up on your own for this do you really have to have this whole like portion of your you know your you know stronghold and it somehow the smoke traveled with you in the teleportation <laughs> it was it was funny.
0: It is true, but like I, that was so cool, and you, to actually see Zordon and Zed communicating with each other in the same space, I, yeah. again, it's like, I think any instances, you know, we're so used to the formula of these episodes, and there's a lot of comfort and familiarity and value in the repetition, and and especially for, for kids who are watching it, but when you get things like this that, that put a different spin on it, or put the characters in different settings and different configurations it's uh yeah it's just like the stakes feel really high
1: yeah you got to mix up things uh you know obviously still you know they hit some of those marks you know obviously okay they fight the henchmen of the moment then they send in the monster then they make the monster big and then they get the zords then they fight the monster with the zords and they blow them up and everything else happens around it basically
0: yeah so You know, while we're talking changing of the Zord, so this is a second batch of episodes, a three-part arc. So this was, again, I feel like a little convoluted, but so essentially with Rita and Zed, they've discovered these ancient Zords, and they want to awaken and control them. But in order to do so, they need the technology of the ranger's current Zords. And in order to obtain that, they need Kimberly's power coin to then be able to take over the Falcon Zord. Uh, and of course, they use Cat to steal Kim's power coin from her bag, and then infiltrate the Falcon Zord during a battle and over overtake Tommy and and take control of the of the Zord. And they also need a power source to to run these Zords, and that's where Ninja Ninja comes into play. So a lot of a lot of moving pieces here.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I oh, I forgot to mention also, you know, discovering these episodes for the first time. It was interesting seeing some differences like the the introduction Amy Joe Johnson is like top billing so that was kind of kind of cool i guess you know maybe her status as being uh you know you know longest tenured i mean Billy was was too but i just thought it was was uh, cool to see her right up front well,
0: you know one other thing i'm curious to get your take on is their i mean the ninja Pow, the ninja outfits and powers right so we now have oh boy, this. Yeah. we have this intermediate step right it used to be you know they would fight as civilians and then they would morph when things escalated but now now they don't even fight as civilians they just instantly go into this ninja garb and the stunt people come in which again i talked about <laughs> this before i don't love this i, I really think this is a, a weakness of this stretch of mighty morphin because i feel like one of the big draws was seeing the actors doing so many of those you know those fighting scenes and, and you lose that but Hand in hand with that, they have like this insane battery of ninja powers. And, I, you know, we we talked about this when we did Ninja Quest. Like, I, this is another one of those things I just did not really remember as a kid. And, uh, and in that Ninja Quest episode, I, I, I asked Lance, I was like, yeah, like, does, does this continue? They have more powers? Boy, do they. I mean, like, Aisha's, uh, you know, teleporting down into the ground. Adam gets huge, and he's holding the Tenga warriors in his hand. He splits into two. That confused
1: the heck out of me. I'm like, when did he become a giant? (laughs) Like, I didn't realize I was a ninja power. I was just like, wait, did they get shrunk somehow? And he's scooping them up. Like, what is going on? He just, it caught me off guard. I, I was not prepared for him to be a giant.
0: I mean, Rocky seems to be jumping into like a pocket dimension behind a tree at one point. Uh, you know, Kimberly and I think Adam, too. some another one of them like they have super speed. What was your reaction? Did you do you like this angle?
1: I mean, you know, I, I probably some of it I didn't even pick up on because I was just like going with the flow of it. And I was also taking notes. But yeah, one thing on the note of seeing the actors, it's kind of ridiculous. Cause in the sequence of transformation into the ninjas, you see them, you know, civilian, then there's like a step where you see them in the ninja garb with their face present. And then there's a third step and the face is covered except for the eyes. So like they they could have stopped at the second step to, you know, let them be themselves more on camera, but no, they just have it. And then quickly they're replaced so that, you know, it could be stunned people. And yeah, but it was also interesting. I was like, wondering what what makes them differentiate between whether they're going to be ninja form or classic rangers because there's sometimes they go one or the other and i i was like well when do they decide one thing i was disappointed in i guess you know i mean it comes with no longer using those zords but like the morphing they just call out their name of their ranger and say power. So white ranger power, pink ranger power. And it's like, it's just so generic. You're just saying who you are. It's a lot less cool than shouting dinosaur names. You know, you'd think there was something else that they could have done connected with their current zords or or something, but that was just something I thought.
0: No, I agree. I think it, I think you lose something during the morphing sequence for sure. And you know, when the, as far as them being, you know, not being able to see their face, thus allowing the stunt people to come in. Um, you know, I, I suspect this was a function of, you know, budget and time, probably more than anything, just trying to churn these episodes out. But, you know, so I know it's not this situation, but it always makes me think of one of the interviews that Robert Downey Jr. was doing when he was promoting, I feel like it was either Civil War, or one, I'm mean, obviously one of the Avengers movies, but I feel like it was one of the ones where he had more of a supporting role, but maybe not, I don't know. In any event, uh, I remember on a talk show being like, once that helmet comes down, I'm off getting a massage. And it's like, you know, I, I know I know that wasn't the case here. Like they really were, I know they really worked these actors and didn't pay them particularly well. So I don't think that they were- Oh off boy, being, that's a
1: whole other- You yeah. know, I, I
0: know they weren't off being pampered, but it just kind of always makes me think of that. It's like once once that ninja hood comes on, I'm like, no, they're not there. And, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's one thing when they're morphed and we're used to that, but it just, I felt like we kind of lost something. And the powers- I'd be curious, honestly, audience, I would love to hear from more people about these ninja powers, you know, and maybe I'm being too hard on them. I like, there's, there's something that's cool, but I don't know. It's just, it just feels like too much. Mm. I don't know. I, you know, it it is what it is. And the other thing too, is, you know, the, the Mighty Morphin season three was relatively <laughs> short, you know, it's only oh, like yeah. 30 plus episodes. So, you know, we're not in this realm for very long. And we're pretty deep into the season now. This is late 95. We're we're pretty deep in with these episodes we're watching. And in this arc, we get new zords. I mean, these <laughs> these new shogun zords are not around for very long. It's a it's a pretty uh, swift tenure for them. Did you like these new ones?
1: Um, you know, again, I I didn't really have much of an opinion on the zords. I guess I was more focused on the character stuff and, you know, the you know, the 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 one-on-one, well, not one-on-one, but like the actual fighting scenes. You know, the Zords once the Zords come into play, it's kinda you know, that's where it's very formulaic. It's, you know, okay, they're in there, they're megazorded up, they fight, their sparks flying, and eventually the villain goes kaboom. And so, you know, I mean I, I guess they looked fine from what I remember. Um so I, I didn't have one, you know, really one way or the other anything, uh, any special opinions about the Zords really.
0: I, I, I got, it's kind of like a, like an ebb and flow with me with, with the Zords. Cause I, obviously I love the original Dino Zords. They were forever remain my favorite. I was not really into the Thunder Zords uh, that they got when Zed came into the picture. I don't hate mm. them or anything, but, you know, like the unicorn, the griff, like I just, those didn't really do anything for me. The ninja zords that, you know, we saw in the movie and then, you know, uh, on the show, those I liked. And I guess probably because of the movie and the, my memory of the toys and, and all of that, I, I have a, a softer spot for those. Really could not care less for the for the shogun zords. And then mm. I really don't even remember the Zeo ones, but uh, I'm sure I will once I... I watch those episodes again, it'll come back to me. But so I would sort of like every other, uh, I I, I really tend to like, you know, but you know, so we're at this point now where, like I said before, I think it's a, you know, an interesting ethical dilemma that Zed puts the Rangers in, right? Where again, uh, you know, the cat has stolen uh, Kimberly's power (laughs) coin. There's some great, sort of, you know, a uh, mythology or explanation for why Kimberly is being so affected by the Zordon explains that when Ninjor gave them these new powers, um, you know, the like the, the the coin was tied to their body, right? So with the coin in the hands of evil, you know, that's why Kimberly is getting so weak and kind of like losing her life force. So, like that was a cool uh, connection point. And, and yeah, Zed, again, they have to let him into the command center. He issues this demand. Like he wants the rangers to pilot his zords and destroy Angel Grove in order to save Kimberly's life. And then there's this, obviously this whole bit where, you know, they're uh, reluctant certainly, but getting to the point of, you know, feeling like they have no choice. Of course, Billy uh, always comes up with a solution. And he's going to find a way mm-hmm. to use the coins and, you know, uh, usurp control of the Zords from from Rita and Zed. And hand in hand with that, Tommy is, of course, going into this other dimension to rescue Kim, and it all works out. But I liked I liked this dilemma, that 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 the rangers had to face
1: yeah kind of like that like classic ch- trolley problem <laughs> or something where it's like oh do you go do you run over this person or do you run over these people or something some ethical you know moral dilemma of like which one to do so yeah it was it was a kind of a no win thing but then tommy at one point's like oh i think i might have another option or something like that also when you mentioned about him piloting them piloting these Zords for zed did they explain where he got his own Zords from? <laughs> I don't remember that.
0: They, they just found them.
1: Because <laughs> little... I'm like, they're, they're Zords. And like Zords, that's like from Zordon. So <laughs> like it's from the good guy's world. But somehow bad guys have their own set uh, all of a sudden. I, I, I might don't have missed know. something. I don't
0: know. No, I don't I don't think we ever really get any, any kind <clears> of, <throat> I don't think we get any kind of, you know, really meaningful backstory. But it's just, I, the other thing too is, you know, Rita and Zed are, are always the the cause of their own, uh, undoing. And it's like, they <laughs> were really pushing it. Right. And trying to force the Rangers into this, like they have minions they could have put into those Zords immediately, but, but they didn't because the other, the other thing here that I didn't mention is that apparently with the Falcon Zord, uh, in control of Rita and Zed, like none of the other Zords are operational. So like the Rangers don't oh, have yeah. the usual ones.
1: It's like, they depend. Uh, yeah. I, was, I think I wrote something down, but it's like, well, that's a great system with the one sword; the <laughs> others don't work. You think you think maybe they wouldn't have it like that in case of you know a problem. Like, why are they all reliant on the one? <laughs> you know, there's a whole team, but oh well, we're out of commission.
0: Yeah. Well, again, it's just like the putties with the with the big Z on their chest that disintegrates them. Not not the best planning from <laughs> from either side, but
1: yeah, uh, some bad planning. Other, I, I remember when when Cat infiltrated the Zor, when she was bad, I was like, well, they didn't have a security system or anything. But then I realized it's because she had, then they explained she had the coin and that's how she had access.
0: Yeah. And again, another echo of green with evil. I mean, that was such a standout moment when Tommy enters the Megazord.
1: Yeah. He he starts, starts freaking stuff.
0: But I got to give Zed. So again, I know ultimately this proves their undoing, but there's also something so sinister about the psychology of Zed's plan right like he wants to it's not just that he wants to defeat the rangers or destroy angel grove it's like he he wants them to be behind the wheel at the time right like he wants us all to be at, at their hands it's uh it, it's pretty nefarious
1: yeah yeah and um what was i gonna say oh, i was thinking about um you know with rita and zed when you mentioned, oh yeah, you just mentioned about destroying Angel Grove. This is a thought I had to... I guess it sort of depends on how much, if any, awareness the general public has of the source of these monster attacks. Like if they know about this, you know, witch up on the moon. Because I, a thought occurred to me when you know thinking about Power Rangers and stuff, and hearing your you know other episodes of your show where they talk about how they just you know really trash the place in these these battles where the buildings are getting destroyed. I'm like, do you ever think like those astronauts are hanging out and then the news report comes on and it's another monster attack and they just kind of look at each other and pull on their colors like they're kind of responsible for all of it. (laughs) These these nitwit astronauts who opened that dumpster set the whole thing in motion. She could have been locked away uh, (laughs) like Zordon had intended if not for these uh these dopey dudes and you know aluminum spacesuits
0: <laughs> i know that all goes back to those guys you're right but yeah i mean i again i like a lot about this really worked like i said i didn't really need new zords and i didn't particularly care for these they just felt you know what i guess they just i didn't feel they were very distinct individually I, like i i guess that's the thing that you know, it, it's cool when they all come together, but that individually, you know, historically, like each of these swords like really felt like its own thing. Right. And tied to the particular ranger. And these just kind of felt like an army of kind of like the same mm. kind of zord. So uh, maybe that's that. maybe that's kind of why it didn't do much for me. But uh, again, in any event, Tommy's able to rescue Kimberly uh, and, you know, the rangers are able to to win the day. But they are still, you know, we end this arc with Kimberly's power coin still missing And she's going to share her power from the other Rangers, you know, just like Tommy was doing, uh, when, when his powers were fading, you know, back during the the green Ranger days. But, uh, again, I mean like this arc is just kind of marching along here. So at that point we have that follow that cab episode, which I guess is probably most notable. Like, like we said earlier, you know, we start to see the cracks in the spell over cat where she's having these flashes. So that was kind of cool to see. Uh, I really, you know, this also introduces the shark cycles. Uh, and it also sets up this business about this gymnastics coach that Kim uh, wants to meet, right? So now we're really, we're really building to the point where she's going to have a reason to leave. And I also have to say, and and you know, I've been listening, and the audience knows, I've been hard on Bulk and Skull, but I've really been coming around on them a lot. And I felt like this was a good app. They ultimately Kimberly's car gets stolen. They ultimately get it back for her. I really felt like that was a nice moment for the two of those junior junior police.
1: Yeah, they actually were doing their job of, it, but at, but at first they mess it up, right? Because wow. they just like think the guy's going into his own car and having trouble, and the guy is such a caricature of like a, a suspicious dude who'd be like into crime, and then you know, but then yeah, they do manage to get it back, and like it was it was it was strange to see her like genuinely grateful to them, like with the history they've had. You know, where they were the bullies and they picked on on the group and they were, you know, just a nuisance. And, you know, they're like uh, trying to get a date with her early on where that was part of their characters, you know. Um, but now she's, you know, I, I think she gives one of them a hug, if not both of them. And uh, yeah, so <laughs> throughout this arc, there's some really, I mean, I, I was going to say there's silly stuff with them. But of course, that's kind of what they're there for, the comic relief. But also... I don't think I ever saw Lieutenant Stone before. So he's like another he's a third piece of this puzzle. And he's just as goofy as they are. He's like the community commanding officer. But he's he's a, a goofball too. I mean <laughs> it was it was like he's he's trying to come on hard on them and like keep them in shape, but he's he's just as ridiculous at times.
0: Yeah, and he'll he'll be a regular on the show for a while. Eventually, they all leave the police force and uh, they become private detectives. It's yeah, it's it's a whole thing in the in the yeah, ongoing within, evolution of bulk and Skull.
1: Yeah, within this, I think it seems like it's uh, unspoken, but they're wearing like cop uniforms early on, but then they seem like they're detectives later when they're like investigating the coach because like a news report comes on in the juice bar about like a suspicious man with an accent and he's this tall and stuff, and so then there are for those episodes is thinking that this, you know, German coach that, you know, is world renowned and he's there and he's gonna help Coach Kimberly to be ready for the games, they're suspicious that he's this spy and they're following him and <laughs> Oh yeah, no German there's one point where like Jason Narvi must have just like been a real ham and like really loved doing impressions and voices and stuff because there's one point where he goes, like, we have ways of making you talk. And I'm like, is that a, a reference that's meant to, like, imply Nazis? Like, I, where, like I, I know that's, like, a, a phrase here. I don't know what the origin of that phrase is. But, he's you know, he's, he's doing this German voice. And I'm like, that kind of came out of left field. And then he does a Bill, Bill Clinton impression at one point, too. They're like, who else would that describe? And he's like, President of the United States. It's right. <laughs> like, what is, what is going on with these guys? But, uh, but yeah, then like later on when they're investigating him, they're looking like private detectives and they're, and they're not in the, you know, the, the cop uniform. So it's like, did that change just happen behind the scenes? Or are they just mixing it up and how they dress?
0: I, I think uh, that was uh, just them taking it upon themselves and sort of trying to act the part of detectives. But no, it's a, it's a plot point later on where they like officially leave the force and open up a private detective agency and all that stuff. So, oh okay yeah, gotcha. no, so that is still coming, but, uh. But yeah, I know it's uh you know, you get, you get that right. Again, I, I, I continue to come around on bulk and skull and, and this iteration of them in particular is the junior, the junior police patrol. Well, yeah. And and one a good one episode,
1: them. one episode you mentioned something about where maybe it would be more palatable without the music. And I was thinking the opposite when I heard you say that, cause I'm like, I think the music is what sells it. Like it just shows <laughs> like, okay, it's time for some goofy antics now, like, just relax and have have fun, and don't take this too seriously. I, know, I just I just feel like that's their theme, and that's the the sign that some something really ridiculous is about to happen. So I think you know.
0: it, I think it's just that I or I landed on this in the Ninja Quest episode. I think I think I just need needed the music just a little bit, a little to ease off the music a little bit, like just a little lower in the mix, because like, I do find it a bit grating. But I'm not saying that I would want. <laughs> silence to accompany them I think that would that would not work either so I think Mm. it's just like it was just a little a little overpowering at times but maybe even in these episodes it's it's fine and yeah you certainly get used to it but I will say just going back to the car thief you're right it's like a very stereotypical like this is a thief I really feel like for the kids they should have made more of a point it should have been like a guy in a suit or something like that it's like you can't assume Right. I feel like they could have made, you know, subtly at least, but they could have been kind of like a larger point about like, you don't make assumptions. And, and the guy who seems like he's going to the bank or whatever, that might be the car thief. I don't know. Just saying. Yeah.
1: It's a little, little smacking you on the head with it on the nose. Like, see this guy, he's clearly the bad guy here. He's the guy who's going to take the car.
0: And then we get to, uh, Kimberly's farewell arc, a different shade of pink where she's just all in on the training now, right, for the pan-global gymnastic games. And this coach is, you know, really pushing her. And, you know, Rita's whole plot is to prevent her from achieving her dream now. And so the the whole idea is to, to run the team, and Kimberly in particular ragged, right, make her too tired fighting monsters to continue with her training. And eventually it does get to the point, as we see, uh, in a rather dramatic moment, where she falls off the beam, she's practicing at night. She's tired. She's too tired, uh, and she falls and she hits her head. She goes to the hospital. It's a whole thing. Now I'm of two minds here with Rita's plan. I want to know. Tell me what you think. On the one hand, I feel like, just like with with Zed and making the Rangers pilot the Zord, it's like there's something so sinister. It's like this is this is her heart's desire, and I'm going to keep her from getting it. Like it is a very witchy thing to do. It's perfectly in keeping for Rita. But on the other hand, if you hate Kimberly so much and you hate the rangers so much, it's like what? she's trying to leave.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, the motive does seem odd. It's like, oh, I'm going to stop her from doing a thing she likes. Like, why are you so invested in that? Again, like you say, <laughs> it's one ranger around unless, you know, if, if, they, if you didn't put cat in their sights, if you didn't set up this other <laughs> female to take her place. You could have had one less ranger to deal with, <laughs> but you know they—they're uh, often foisted by their own batards. Uh, Rita and Zed.
0: I, you know what? It's funny. I didn't even think that piece of it, but you're right. It's like not. not I just no. thought of it just now
1: when you when you kind of you set the ball in motion for me. And it's like, yeah. Well, I did find it when she first says, "I want to," you know, oh, stop her from getting the thing she wants. And now you say, "He's like, well, yeah. Why? Why is that important to you? You should. You should be wanting to get." The Rangers, as far away from being Rangers as possible, and let alone here, I'm going to serve up on a plate, a perfect <laughs> replacement for her.
0: And and again, she's been burned before with Tommy. She, could, you know, and there in some ways it it was worse because it's like you expanded the team. <laughs> you know, here it's like you gave a replacement in that instance, <laughs> the team got stronger. You know, I gave him a Zord and everything. So yeah, that, you know, that piece of it is, uh, that is really funny. That, yeah, she she gives them a just a ready-made uh, replacement. It's, it's, it's but, you know, with Rita, I feel like, with Rita and Kimberly, I feel like there's some mean girl energy coming from Rita. Because there's even, you know, going back to this whole idea of the, like, evil cat's, you know, jealousy towards Kim and her interest in Tommy. You know, like, Rita has remarks here and there where she's like, oh, I wonder what little Kimmy thinks about that. or You know, stuff like that. So I feel like there's, like, a little mean girl thing uh, that Rita feels towards Kimberly that might be fueling some of this hmm
1: yeah Maybe. isn't there like an episode where kimberly like sort of becomes rita or she's she's play acting like to to play along with them or like she's in the costume
0: yeah you gotta watch that episode man it's yeah I, from, I, a, I, 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 from a performance standpoint what amy joe johnson doesn't in is is tremendous it's a su- super creepy episode where zed wants to make kimberly his queen And as I said, when we talked about it, I mean, I really feel like they could they could have just made it like Zed had a nephew and he wanted to pair. It's still creepy, (laughs) but there was just this whole other component to it. But anyway, they capture Kimberly and they try to put a spell on her, but it doesn't work. And she is aware of what they're trying to do. And so she's still in control, but she pretends that the spell worked and she does her Rita impression. And it's so good. Like even if you just watch that one scene, it's so good.
1: Uh, yeah, I got to check that one. Yeah, but definitely when you go back and watch some of these, there's definitely things that maybe, you know, wouldn't fly today. But uh, but I do find in the music that Zed wants to make him, uh, <laughs> um, you know, his bride. Because one thing I always remember about uh, the movie, the first movie, like goldar is with ivan Ooze, and ivan Ooze says i'm like oh and then i'll get that cute little pink ranger and Goldar's like oh you think she's cute too and it's, just, it's just this great funny moment and i was like you know i'm with you guys <laughs> back back then when i saw it i'm like oh that's nice i mean they they uh they're on the same page about that and they're acknowledging that amy joe johnson is you know very pretty so
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, speaking, speaking for the audience at acknowledging it in in, in that way.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But just, and and again, Goldar doesn't often get a chance to be like comical. He's often like, you know, he's the heavy, he's the muscle. So having a, a line that like gets a genuine laugh is just something you don't expect from him.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we talked about Kim falling off the balance and this is where, where Kat snaps out of it. I mean, and, You know, that's the other thing too, where I, I, you know, we kind of have to give Kat the edge over Tommy. (laughs) It's like she, not only were, not only was she starting to break through, but she, she actually is able to shake off the spell. And in that moment of selflessness of going in to help Kim when she falls, like is, is, is able to, you know, return to her senses. So.
1: Right. Yeah. They even kind of explain it at one point. They say it was the selfless act, you know, it might be a little cliched. It's like, you know oh when you do this one thing it, it has a power to you know break a magical spell <laughs> somehow the, the one caveat of this magical spell that's controlling this you know teenage girl is if you do something you know that's a purely selfless act i guess that that overpowers the evil magic
0: once you know kim is recovering you know she says she's not going to go back to gymnastics she's going to focus on being a ranger and all that and uh, you know we get more of Cat's backstory where we find out that she was this great diver in Australia, and she was going to go to the Olympics, but she hit her head on one of her dives, and she never got back in the water and you know she's telling this to Kim as as a kind of a cautionary tale and then of course, by the end of this three parter you know cat. Uh, you know gets gets back on the diving board and that inspires Kim and that leads to that you know that big demonstration that we talked about earlier that earns her, her earns her a spot with this coach and she's going to go off to Florida to train for for these games and all that and necessitating her leaving and we'll, we'll circle back to that but you know looking at kind of the arc of Kat uh, you know starting literally as the cat, and then we see her under the spell and then kind of starting to break through and eventually fully breaking through revealing more of her backstory uh, relating to Kim, inspiring Kim. Do you think the show did a good, especially for you, you know, watching these for the first time, do you feel like the show did a good job of, of introducing the replacement Ranger? not just for any Ranger, but for a, a beloved, you know, Kimberly.
1: Yeah, definitely. Again, you know, it's, you know, within the span of, you know, only so many episodes, but it's still given enough room to breathe to really give her, you know, her character arc. So you get to know her a little, you see her, under control but then you get to know a little of her backstory and and you see that and then you know coincidentally enough <laughs> her backstory has her doing gymnastics and like things where she was in the trying to get in the same you know competition so there's these parallels and then they bond over it and then she kind of uses her experience of being scared off from it from her accident and never trying again to basically you know be like wink wink nudge nudge you should not let your fears hold you back you should you know, just because you had this fall doesn't mean you need to give up your dreams. And so it's just, you know, it's it's quite a turn from her being so jealous and being, you know, controlled by evil and and trying to, you know, get in their way and, you know, get rid of her. to you know, now being like this encouraging figure that, uh, you know, is, it's like they become like best friends almost like uh, before before all said and done. Oh, another thing, another thing with her, I just wanted to bring up. So yeah, she, she'd been transformed back and forth as an actual cat. And then they turn her into a cat monster. Like you said, somehow, I guess when she's transformed into a cat monster, she loses her accent for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> the cat doesn't have an Australian accent. She's speaking, you know, just American, you know, American voice. So I just, Like what? That's an interesting choice that they chose like the transformation into cat monster somehow wiped away her Australian accent. I I
0: don't know. It's a good question. Well, speaking of Australia, so obviously both the character of cat and the actress, Catherine Sutherland from Australia and. Unless I'm remembering this wrong. She had originally auditioned for Dulcia in the mighty Morphin movie. And obviously didn't get that, but they kept her in mind and then, and then brought her here for this. What I have to oh, say, no. you know, this idea of transitioning Rangers and everything, even when we were talking about, uh, or maybe especially when we we're talking about Jason, Zach and Trini leaving, um, as, as like awkward as that was not having those actors there again, I thought the show did a good job. And I think where they particularly excelled was in introducing Rocky, Adam and Aisha as this unit. And you got to see a lot of, a lot of them, a lot of them with, the kids a lot of them with the rangers you saw them in the command center and so you like they got the audience used to them and comfortable with them and i feel like they did something similar here and but you had the benefit of actually being able to have those scenes with kimberly and cat and what i also liked was that cat Even though, yes, there are a lot of parallels and especially with the, you know, the gymnastics on the diving and all of that. And that was like, whoa, what a coincidence. But, (laughs) you know, at the same time, you know, Kimberly, especially at the beginning of the show was very much kind of like the, like the Valley girl and was like obsessed with shopping and clothes and stuff like that. And like very American, I I guess, or, or again, a specific type, but, you know, very much felt like, yes. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then you have, you know, Kat. So you have this, you know, this more international flavor and component. So I like that they, again, it wasn't just like trying to put in a carbon copy of Amy Jo Johnson slash Kim.
1: Yeah. And also watching these, you see how far she's come as a character that she's, you know, clearly in the seasons, you know, between, you know, her, her early on where she was basically kind of like a stereotype of that type of girl who's just obsessed with shopping in the mall and all that Uh, And like, no way, totally that kind of thing. Like she's a very different character. I mean, you know, she still has her basic traits and, you know, she's, you know, kind and caring and sweet, but yeah, she's moved away from that, like sort of more one dimensional personality. And so that, you know, that was cool to see. I actually, I actually was just watching some unrelated clips too. And I saw like clips from like the first episode where they're all kind of rejecting Zordon initially and they walk away from the command center So, yeah, it it just really shows uh, how far things have come since, you know, that original iteration.
0: Absolutely.
1: Speaking of which, though, one one thing I really did like, I think it was at the beginning of one of these episodes, but also, I mean, maybe I'm rushing with getting to the ending, but we've kind of been bouncing back and forth. But, um, you know, at the ending, seeing her, on the balance beam, it's just like such a great callback to how she was first introduced in that first episode, you first see her doing a, an act, you know, a routine on a balance beam. So it's like a full circle kind of thing. So that was nice, too.
0: You know, it's funny during the credits they show you more of her gymnastics routine at the, and I was like, oh, it would have been cool to just like throw in a little a little clip from from that first episode, but
1: yeah, it's yeah, a- I guess I I think that thought came to to my mind too that if they could have shown a parallel, but yeah, I thought I thought that was very nice, um, you know how they how they wrapped it up in that you know credits uh, of that last episode when I was still trying to compose myself from the goodbye, but you know that combined with those you know that montage at the end, uh, you know, really hit me uh, about you know. Her, her whole, you know, story from beginning to end and uh, and fe- and really feeling... It. Oh, speaking of montage, I mean, I, I don't know how known it is to to the listeners, but obviously you're a big uh, Rocky <laughs> fan. And there's a training montage that just seems like perfectly... There's there's like even running on the beach. And it just, you know, I was like, that, that's kind of a funny parallel. But like, yeah, when she, you, you know, first, I guess, gets together with uh, Schmidt there's like a whole training montage that wouldn't have been out of place in like an eighties action movie.
0: No, I had the same thought. And yes, of course my mind immediately went to Rocky. No, that was great. <laughs> I love that. And no, I agree with you sort of the full circle aspect of, of the gymnastics. And you know, when we, when we get to that farewell, you know, and we talked about again, all of the exchange between, you know, cat and ninja or what happened in ninja or all that. But you know, when you get to that final farewell that got you teary eyed uh, at the command center, uh, and, I, and I guess even before this, because this came up when Kim decided to embark on this training and this and this goal to make it to the pan global games, you know, this con- and I, I like this, this aspect and this piece from Zordon, uh, you know, because Kim's initially reluctant, right? Because, you know, her duties come first. And, you know, Zordon is quick to say, I think, at the beginning of this arc and then certainly at the end, like he doesn't doesn't want them to miss out on these valuable life experiences, uh, did, what, what did you think about this whole back and forth, and just her decision and the way it played out?
1: Yeah, he's he's very encouraging, you know, for the for the Rangers to make up their own minds. He's not like some overlord, uh, you know, being some overbearing presence telling them like, no, this is what you do. I'm in charge and you listen to me. He's they always have him as you know, almost I guess like a father figure in a way because I think you've mentioned on the show before that they don't, they really don't have much parent presence in the show. I mean, I think they've maybe had some appear here, and there when in the show, but it's really kind of like, they're not mainly in the picture. Even during this, when she, you know, fell and she's in the hospital, they quickly like have like uh, Tommy, he's on the, on the phone in the hospital. And he tells Billy, Oh yeah. um, Her mom, she's in Paris and she's stuck. All the flights are booked. (laughs) How convenient that all the flights are booked. So that we don't need to show her mom. Rushing to the hospital where her daughter has fallen, it's just she's stuck. Oh well, can't show the mom. Sorry, kids. So it just that was that was kind of funny to me. It's just a way to explain away why uh, we don't we don't see a, a parental figure there. But uh, but yeah, Zordon he tends to have their best interests at heart. I mean, he's obviously got them on this mission and fighting Rita and Zed and their you know villainy. But he still recognizes that they're their own people with their own, you know, hopes and dreams, and he's not going to force you to stay a ranger longer than you want to be one. So, uh, yeah, it's you know, it's it's admirable.
0: Yeah, for sure, and and I think it's a it's a good message, and also in Tommy's response to all of this, I mean, just like Kimberly was surprisingly nonchalant about uh, Tommy in the in the car with Cat you know, similarly here, this is another instance where, boy, you know, especially since these two have been dating to some extent, it, it would have been nice to maybe have a little bit more of a of a conversation between the two of them about what this means for their, re- again, I know, as I always say, like, I know the show is not built for these sorts of things, but, but it would have been nice to see. However, what I really did like, you don't get a lot, but at least, you know, Tommy said, like, I would never, something like, I, I couldn't live with myself, like, if I let you turn this down, or if you turn this down for us, mm-hmm. or something like that. And, again, I think a good message about sometimes having to let somebody go to do something that, you know, they, they need to.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's very supportive. Uh, one thing that I will say, I, I remember at one point in, um, in the hospital, he's sitting at her bedside, you know, he brought her this teddy bear and stuff. And I think like Zordon's calling on the Rangers for, you know, to deal with some situation. And I think Kim starts to get up like, as if, well, I, I've got to go pee part of And he kind of, like, pushes her down. <laughs> he, like, with his hand, like, by her, like, neck and shoulder area. He's like, no, no, you stay down. <laughs> I'm like, that's that seems a bit, like, forceful. I mean, I'm sure, you know, he didn't use a lot of force doing it, but it's still the visual of it, of Tommy pushing his girlfriend to stay on this hospital bed
0: yeah maybe overshot the mark a little bit on on that one the the other thing that's interesting and i know this has come up a lot in you know kind of fan discussions because with jason zach and trini we had all that business with the sword of power it was a whole process in order to transfer the power as the title suggests here though kimberly just hands cat the coin and you see some like energy transfer and that's it
1: like lightning sizzling goes from one hand to the other so okay cool
0: I'll say two things. Number one, see my head cannon, and I don't you don't even need this because I think there are other explanations. but my head cannon was always, well, they have the sort of power now, right? It's in the command center. Maybe they've they've you know sort of uh, you know integrated it into the command center infrastructure in some way, shape or form. So even though we're not seeing it, maybe it's still doing its thing. Alternatively, though, and I think this is probably the more common theory is like they have different powers now right? It's not those original powers that needed the sword to be transferred. Now it's these ninja powers that presumably operate a little bit differently. And then that comic book miniseries we read actually acknowledges the fact that since the sword of power was not used, Kimberly still had some latent energy that Zordon could, you know, amp up and and allow her to morph again, at least temporarily. So uh, I did appreciate that that comic addressed it, but uh, you know, this didn't trip me up too much that we didn't go through the whole sword business.
1: Yeah, when you mentioned, I don't remember the sword as far as the show goes, but obviously they did use it for those purposes in in the comic book uh, you know, follow-up on Kim. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> it was interesting with the comic. Like, I liked it enough, but also it's just like, oh, we're going to see what happened to Kim after she left the Power Rangers. Well, she was at the, the games, and then she goes to check on her family, and something's wrong, they're missing, no one's in a village. And then she immediately becomes a Power Ranger again. It's like, okay. So it's like a different... She has a different suit because there's still an existing Pink Ranger out there along with the the rest of the real team. But, you know, it's basically a new Power Ranger adventure and it becomes full-on one as the story goes on. So it didn't... You know, it could have just been, you know, another Power Ranger story with the real team, but it was, you know, just they... They sort of incorporated her and they show her, you know, for to a degree being on her own and handling herself and, you know, taking the lead so that that's different about it, but still, it's just like, I thought, Oh, now we're going to learn, you know, where her story went and it, you know, it just right back to Zordon and getting power and sharing power. And, you know, it was fine for what it was. I think um, a little bit, I had a hard time with it because I don't know if it's that, boom doesn't have like full rights of their likenesses or it's just, they choose to draw them in their own styled way. But, you know, she doesn't especially look like Amy Jo Johnson. You know, she looks like just, you know, girl, you know, with brown hair, you know, and, and you kind of have to fill in the rest of the details. So like all the characters, you could see semi resemblance, but it's not like they're trying to replicate their exact appearance. So I wasn't sure if that's just like, they have to do that or they just chose, you know,
0: not to. I know that's um, a good question. I'm not positive, but I, as far as the story, I had a similar reaction to you. Like, I enjoy. I, I thought it was enjoyable, and it was cool to see Kim. You know, kind of in the center, but yeah, I guess like yourself, you know, you went into it. It's like, oh man, like what was her post Ranger life like? And it's like, oh okay, like she just instantly became a Ranger. It, there's this whole business with Goldar and and this new monster, and they're, uh, you know, turning the the, the people of the small French village uh, where Kimberly's mother and stepfather now live into monsters. Uh, and so Kimber, one thing that I did like that she called on Trini and Zach, who we find out are in a relationship for help. Uh, and so they join the fray and then two of the villagers uh, be, temporarily become Rangers. so there's this you know new team and and we ultimately, you know by the time we get to the end, it, it picks up a year later and we send you know spoiler alert folks, but the comic has been out for a while now, but we see Kim's writing that dear John letter that she'll send to Tommy. So uh, you know I there were aspects of it that I appreciated. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I was necessarily expecting per se, but no,
1: yeah, me either. But uh, yeah, like I agree with you on that. It was seeing cool that she reaches out to them. So you see what they were up to. Cause you know, obviously with though, them being actors that were no longer on the show and they didn't have a, you know, a planned ending that was, you know, told as a story, they were just, you know, gone until whenever I guess um, Jason came back down the line and, you know, as the gold Ranger and Zio and forever red and whatever. But, it was kind of that was the last of them. I mean, obviously tomorrow we, we're gonna see Zach for the first time, I think, since they left, right? He yep. hasn't been involved at all. Yeah, he has not come um, back. And you know, Toy Trang, rest in peace. Uh, but uh but yeah, so it was cool to see them brought into the fray and she she connects with them and you see what they were doing on whatever their mission in, you know, that they were pulled from being able to be rangers in the story. and then you know it it was interesting to see that you know they became a couple i mean maybe it was just naturally uh, you know evolved from that they're working on this thing together because you would from the show itself you would always thought maybe her and billy would have gotten together because there was always that connection where you know they were both kind of the smarter ones and sometimes she would be like the one to translate his techno babble for the rest of the team um actually i don't know if i ever told you about this i'm pretty sure you haven't seen them but in high school, in Spanish class, like, I I always liked to do, you know, instead of, like, writing a, a paper or something, when I had the chance, I liked to do, you know, videos, making, like, little, you know, movies. And I did, I actually ended up doing two of them. We did Power Rangers, you know, me and some of my friends, we filmed the Power Rangers thing. And, like, one of my friends who was, you know, essentially, you know, the Trini role, She not Asian, but she was just filling the Yellow Ranger slot, Basically, like literally, I had her. Her function was purely to be Billy's chance I actually was Billy, so I, I put on glasses and I was being like over the top nerdy and it was fun. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's what I did. I'll have to show you those.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, that would, that would be cool to see for sure. But
1: yeah, Garda Bosque's de la potencia de morphin poderosa, I think, was, was <laughs> how, how it translated. Nice. Really silly stuff.
0: Yeah. No, I'm glad we read the comic at least, and and it was cool to you know fill in a little a little bit of that. And yeah, I mean, I, I have to say, overall, I thought this was overall, I would say a solid arc. And and again, there's a, other business going on too, like the new Zords and and all of that. But I mean, really introducing Cat, uh, you know, segwaying Kim out of the show. And again, it was just looking at these. The seasons that I watched, at least the Three Mighty Morphin and Zeo. It's like this was the only instance where you got this kind of farewell. I, according to IMDb trivia, I don't know if this has ever been verified, but allegedly Amy Jo Johnson filmed a few scenes of 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 Kimberly like checking in or calling the Rangers that were meant to be used in subsequent episodes that for whatever reason never were. So I don't have more information on that other than what I literally read on oh, IMDb man. trivia. But again, I don't think it would have been anything that that substantial. But it was just interesting if that were the case, if they had that. And I'd be curious why, why you know, why not sprinkle those in here and there. I don't know.
1: That would, that would have been cool. Or if if they came as like deleted scenes down the road or anything. I have, you know, years back I bought the Mighty Morphin DVD box set and uh, you know i had there was some good sale and i got the whole thing so it has like all three seasons and i think it even has alien yes rangers um so yeah you know i i think there's supposed to be some good bonus features it's again you know i have these dvds and sometimes i just never get them. i think when i first showed it to my daughter i think i might have started with the dvds but then i found it was on netflix and it's just much more convenient um,
0: the DVD has a lot of cool stuff. Like just as one example, one thing that we'll be talking about in a future episode, uh, it has the stage show, the, the live show that they did. They, there's a, there's a recording of that on there. So there's, there's a lot of cool stuff. Um, but yeah, the Amy Jo Johnson thing, that was, uh, kind of curious, but in any event, I think they did a, I think they, they, they did a good job. It's interesting too. It's like another instance of, you know, like how do, what reason can we give for why the ranger has to leave? And it's like, Something global, something international. It's like hard, you know, hard to argue with. And it can't also, can't be uh,
1: local. Yeah, <laughs> if, they, if it's local, they can maybe manage to balance it out. But no, if they're having to be across the world, uh, no can do.
0: Yeah, it's like you know, in a in a fan fiction scenario, right? Where it would have been interesting we had the first three leave for the international peace conference. Then Kim goes for these pan global games. If Billy had been given a proper exit and something similarly, some sort of global scientific conference or Science, something like that. Yeah. It's like, then you have the five originals, right? Like uh, scattered across the world. And then they could become a, you know, a special team. I know the comics did a whole thing with the Omega Rangers with Jason, Zach and Trini and all of that. But, uh, I was just kind of thinking about like, you know, in, in, in piece by piece the original team like ending up, uh, outside the country
1: would you say overall i mean i i heard the part one and part two um sorry would you say in overall that it's worth really checking out like it's really like the comics are like really good and worth checking out overall
0: i would again i think like not not to knock this pink ranger miniseries i don't think this rises to the level of what i've read so far from the main the main line mighty Morphin stuff that kyle higgins wrote at the beginning we will Mm. be covering shattered grid not too long from now so i'm excited to get into that I'll say certainly just at least from the first couple of years of the boom comics that I read, they are worth it because it's, it's a lot of these things that you and I in this episode and and my guests and I in other episodes have been like, Oh, like I wonder this, I wonder that, like, why do they talk about this? A lot of those things like you get to see kind of play out. So it's, it's fun in that sense.
1: Have they at all said if it's supposed to be considered like, Canon, like between the episodes, or is it just like this is a divergent thing where things kind of go differently and it's its own thing?
0: I mean, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I I think it's meant to be like you can read it and and, and kind of have it have it fit in. But as far as you know, I don't know, like Saban officially officially recognizing it as as the. I I, I don't know. I'm not positive. I don't okay. think so oh. per se, but.
1: Oh, and we should also mention, uh, you know, it was announced that Amy Jo Johnson's going to be writing a comic that's like, you know, her take on things. So that's kind of exciting because, you know, people were bummed when, you know, it seems at least by, you know, what she said publicly that she's not involved in the special tomorrow, but this is going to be kind of her contribution to the anniversary celebration and just, you know, the fandom, you know, uh, as a whole, because, you know, You know, I saw people, some negative comments. You're always going to see negative comments online. Some people, like, think, oh, she thinks she's too good for it, or she's better than But, like, yeah, no, that's that's clearly not the case. You know, she had the cameo in the reboot. And, um, you know, when she was trying to raise money for her movie, she actually put on a Pink Ranger suit and was, like, busking, like, you know, with her guitar, just playing, uh, you know, and singing songs in uh, Toronto. And, uh, you know, so she clearly has attachment. And she's, you know, openly admitted you know her her gratitude for it it launched her career and you know she's she i don't think she takes that for granted obviously you know the pay we all know they were like paid peanuts and there was no union stuff and i read stuff they say like there are a few times that she could have almost died because of like the way that it wasn't handled well with like stunts and things where she was almost set on fire or electrocuted so i'm sure she you know she has reasons to feel mixed about it but i think all that said still oh yeah she wrote the introduction to um the trade version which is what I picked up of the um the pink I don't know if you did you did you see that or was it you just read individual I- issues yeah and, I just and, read and the individual
0: include... ones digitally so yeah I didn't see that
1: okay yeah I ordered it on Amazon uh on prime and I got it fast and I just read through it um and you know she has a nice uh, you know instruction so she's obviously still you know grateful and she, and she's not forsaking it and stuff for me personally it would have been amazing to see her in this special and it would have been even better if they got as much of the original cast as possible. Obviously, Toy Trang died, you know, in two thousand one, so she's out of the picture. But you know, they're addressing that with having this daughter character, you know, take up the the reign and adventure. But if it was like the daughter and the other five originals, that would have been just amazing. Like I would have gotten super excited for that. Like I'm looking forward to it and seeing Zach backs and and Billy. And, you know, how they're addressing the situation with Trini. Like, I'm I'm fascinated to see how it's going to go. And I'm, you know, I'm interested and I'm a bit excited. But, like, that would have just been, you know, the icing on the cake if it could have been all. The, I mean, obviously now Austin St. John's got, like, legal <laughs> troubles, too. But, uh, and you yeah. know, obviously, and we, and we lost Jason David Frank. But he was, you know, it was filming while he was still around. But, uh, yeah,
0: no, it's I a don't. shame.
1: But. And that's a great loss, you know, I don't have the the fondness and connection for him like you do, obviously, but I understand and appreciate his role within the show. And then the greater presentation and representation of the show outside and cons and stuff like, I mean, man, it just shows you never know. Like people say, with like Robin Williams, you know, he was this funny, goofy guy outwardly and then he had his, you know, his struggles and that, you know, Jason David Frank, he was just like a ball of positivity. He was, you know, posing with little kids, dressed up like, you know, his characters and, you know, just, you know, so involved. Like, he, I, I don't know if I heard this first or I just said it. I said he's like the mayor of Power Rangers. Like, you know, he's the guy. He was. And to lose him in that way, uh, it's just tragic. You know, I mean, if you're having trouble, listeners, you know, reach out to someone. Talk to someone. Uh, you know, it's it's worth it's worth living for. And yeah, it's, it's a huge loss. Um, so I could appreciate that even without being like so fondly connected to him in his role. Uh, but, you know, I mean, obviously he was there on the stuff I watched and he was, you know, he was leader for a good, you know, portion and uh, yeah, just, it sucks. Yeah,
0: no, absolutely. Not, not to
1: end on a downer note, but uh, you know, I mean, if you're planning on re- it sounds like you're kind of wrapping things up, but uh Yeah. Yeah. yeah so i'm looking i'm looking forward to the special either way are you uh, here i gotta know this so i know you stayed up for the snyder cut are you staying up tonight to watch the special uh,
0: no i think i I'll, I'll wait till tomorrow it's all right <laughs> okay it's all right all right. yeah okay no, that's okay i don't know that i have another 3 a.m viewing if that's the time <laughs> on the east coast that it's that it's yeah. dropping, so
1: i looked it up i looked it up and so yeah that's you know. how they, they typically do these drops because it's like midnight uh you know, i mean specific. i could try to
0: knock out a, a morning one that's a possibility but i'll probably just wait till tomorrow night but it will it will mean you know essentially staying off social media uh, twitter in particular because I, I don't want to you know i, I don't want to have anything spoiled and you know, we've seen the trailers and all. But in any event by the time pe- this comes out people will have already heard a discussion on once and always but i am glad you mentioned the amy joe johnson pink ranger comic i'm excited for that i'm very curious we'll be keeping an eye on that uh, Zach I thank you very much for coming on watching these nine episodes reading the comic I appreciate it It was great uh, to, to have this conversation with you if anyone wants to follow you on Twitter where where would you like to send them
1: uh, yeah Twitter I'm just Zach Wallner Z-A-C-H Wallner oh that's another thing that reminded me I just was looking at clips again like from the first episode and Zordon calls him Zachary when he's describing what power he's going to have and like he just goes by Zach <laughs> like how does he know I mean I, for me it was personally cool because I'm a Zachary so it was cool to see that Zach was a Zachary. And like, also, you know, I mentioned my older brother, Jason, back when it started, it's like, Oh, there's a Zach and a Jason. It was cool. I, was, I thought, Oh, if only they had a Harry. And I remember, I even like, remember, uh, you know, in my imagination coming up with like a, an orange Ranger named <laughs> Harry that, that would have all three. There's never been one has there right in all 30 years from what I understand.
0: Yeah. I'm not my, my knowledge once we get past <laughs> Zio is, is spotty. So I, I couldn't say with certainty, but oh, I don't, okay. I don't, I don't think so.
1: I think I saw something recently where, like, oh, are they going to finally have an orange ranger? Where there was something that came out or something at you know some cast of the upcoming season, and there was some hint that there was going to be an orange ranger. But anyways, get back to what I was saying. Yes, Z A C H, and my last name is Wallner, Uh, W O L I N E R. I'm on Twitter. I'm on TikTok. I, you know, I discovered that a few years ago, and I have a lot of fun on there. That's a, you know been been positive uh, overall, and. Um, if if you you want to book a puppet slash magic show, you could look up Zany Zach on Twitter Zany Zach, J-J-M-M-P-P for Zany Zach, the Jolly Jesters, Magical Mayhem, and Puppet Pandemonium. And um, yeah, I guess I guess those are the big ones, really.
0: Right on. Well, thank you, and but, but
1: yeah, oh yeah. I was, sorry, I was just gonna say, you know, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate uh, the opportunity. This was a lot of fun. I have. So many more notes that we didn't get to. I took way too many notes, but I'm glad I hit some of the points uh, that I meant to. But um, yeah, I just wanted to be prepared. So just as things were happening, I was like jotting down the, the action and then occasionally some of these little observations that I made, uh, you know, along the way of just like these funny questionable sometimes things. But uh, yeah, it's great to chat with you. And again, you know, we haven't really talked in a while, so it's nice catching up with you in general. I really appreciate this, and I, I look forward to uh, you know uh, sharing the final episode. So th- thanks so much.
0: Oh, no, thank you so much. And uh, fun fact, audience, I made a documentary film about Zach a few years ago. It's called Wacky Man, The Rise of a Puppeteer, about Zach's pursuits in the field of puppetry with his creation, Wally Wackaman and other puppets. Uh, And you can watch it for free on YouTube. So wackyman.com. Wacky Man, man, (laughs) The Rise of a Puppeteer. It's on the Anthony Desiato YouTube channel. So uh, I hope you'll check it out. Thank you, Zach. Thank you, audience. We will be back in two weeks with our next all new episode. And of course, once a Ranger fan, always a Ranger fan. This show is part of the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network, home to Digging for Kryptonite, another exciting episode in the adventures of Superman, Summoning the Zords, and My Comic Shop History available wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review today. Sign up at patreon.com slash anthonydesiato for additional content. Thank you all.